Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. I'm Tom Dioro, Principal of Accurate. For our guest today, please welcome Yo-Yo Shui, candidate for Millbrae City Council and owner of the Michelin-rated restaurant Wonderful in Millbrae, California, as well as a member of the Tesla 3 Club. For more information, feel free to visit www.shui4millbrae.com. That's www.xue4millbrae.com. Dot com. Hello, Yo-Yo. We're excited and honored to have you on the Modern Architect Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yo-Yo, can you share with us some of your early inspirations as to how you became involved in government? And if you can recall back as far as you can, I know, um, how old are you? I'm 21 now. Outstanding. <laughs> 21. So as far it would be easier for you to recall, how far back can you see that you actually could have an influence as a leader and a community leader? Well... I'm thinking all the way back to elementary school where I helped organize um, a recycling program at my school. I continued environmental efforts throughout middle school. And in high school, I helped to bring the American Red Cross onto campus. And to this day, it is uh, the most successful student society at Mills High School. And I think what brought me to politics on a civic government level was being involved in the community. So that was following online discussions, following the agenda of the city council. And a lot of it, I think, was to do with frustration when you're sitting on the sidelines and you're watching other people do a job that you feel like you can do better. Not in a you know cocky way or anything, but uh, you know, you're looking at things that you feel like are just totally incorrect. That's when you want to jump in and you want to get involved. Yeah. And I think that's what brought me over the cliff, so to say, to, to you know, throw, throw my name. How do you parachute your landing? Since you said over the cliff, that's an interesting analogy. We'll have to see. I mean, my parachute will be a win in this election. Otherwise, I, I'm going to have a hard landing, so to say. But I think we'll just have to see. We're recording this before the election, obviously a day before the election. So these are really my thoughts leading up to the election. Yeah. So the, you brought in the American Red Cross on campus. So the, I don't know how old the American Red Cross is. Is it 100 years old? I think so, yes. Okay. But um, we've never had uh, student participation, okay. uh, at Mills at least. 
So I knew that um, I was participating in clubs such as Rotary Club, which was a student service club. It's called Interact at Mills High School. But I knew that some students wanted to provide their times to important efforts like disaster relief, like fundraising, like blood drives. These were all things that um, students should really be getting involved in. And I was able to get the club started and worked hard over a whole summer, actually meeting in that patio over there. We're actually filming in the library here, but able to get a bunch of friends together and in a matter of days became the largest student club on campus. Yeah, to, to this day, the, the, Red, the Red Cross Club um, sets up every year in, yeah. during our street festivals. And um, it's a very active organization. Again, I think it shows students the power of getting involved and it shows them how much of a difference they can make by, by getting involved in these NGOs and these, um, these organizations. Yeah, so the difference... It makes getting people involved. It sounds like obviously that's just your strong suit. Not a lot of people are able to do it and do it effectively. And what really was attractive to you for, for us is that you talked about how to improve a good city, you know, Millbury, how to improve it and actually with some tangible, actionable steps. How did you arrive at those, that, that, that plan? So, so clearly. Well, I, I think my plan has evolved. So, you know, it started with a very rudimentary plan, more or less a, a theme. It's like ice forming, you know, forms around a piece of dust. And that's really how my plan came about. I knew that Newbury needed more accountability. It needed more transparency. And above all else, it needed residents to participate. It needed people to get involved and to have their opinions heard. And that's really how I developed my platform. You know, I went out and I talked to people. I went out knocking on doors. So I didn't just reach out to the traditional people who you would imagine participating in city government. And I heard their concerns. And as I went around, I think I developed my campaign around their issues, um, their concerns and their vision for Millbrae. And in the past three months, I've been working very hard. And I think my campaign reflects not only the hard work that my volunteers and I have put in, but also the resident and voter facing campaign. Everything on my campaign is about the voters and what they want. Some of my campaign points, for example, are slightly contrary to what I would personally want. But this campaign is not about me. This is really about bringing City Hall back to the people. You know, I know that sounds quite cliche, but um, I've really come to appreciate the no, trust. It's vital. Well, you know, yeah. it, it's vital. And as I go door to door, I think, um, you know, I, I go door to door and I knock and I have my little walking cards with me to, you know, as of today, I've covered 95% of Millbury. So I've lost like 10 pounds and I've gone around, <laughs> gone around talking to everybody. Yeah. Are you aware of a percentage, even if it's a guesstimate of any of the other candidates? Are they going, uh, are they as, as diligent with that? You know, the, the other candidates, I don't want to discredit them because yeah. they are working hard. But from what I've heard, they're mostly leaving materials at people's doors and they're not really taking the time to talk to people. And also they, um, you know, they, ha they have day jobs. So being self-employed, I'm able to dedicate more of my time to this. So I do walk Monday to Sunday whilst the other candidates are focusing their efforts on the weekends. And uh, my campaign team is small. You know, I haven't hired anybody to walk for me. I'm a pure volunteer team. And I'm going around making sure that my volunteers are knocking on people's doors, sometimes almost pressuring them to tell us about their issues, because oftentimes voters have become very 
disillusioned with the process. And that's really the most disappointing part of my walks is when, not when people pretend they're not home. You know, I, I hear, I hear they're home and they don't want to open the door because they're fearful that I'm trying to sell them, <laughs> sell them a new cable service or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, a message to all yeah. voters. Like I, I can, I can see the people turn dark and I know you're behind the door. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so, <laughs> Um, it, but you see, so you're taking it. I'm using a, a Doobie Brothers. I don't know if you this yeah, way back. Yeah. Group, taking it to the streets is quite a popular. Taking song. it to the streets, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's, there's. Um, I know we're in the 21st century, and we're almost at 2019. That's right. My goodness, isn't it amazing how it's still at an eyeball to eyeball level that you have to connect with people and find out what their real issues are and how to resolve them? You know, that's difficult to do in a lot of political scenes. And I think other politicians would dream of having this type of capability um, to just connect with the people, meet face to face. And we're talking 10, 20 minute meetings. And that wouldn't be possible if Millbrae wasn't the size it was. You know, Millbrae is 22,000 people, about, I think, 10,000 households. So that hasn't been really difficult with three months of campaigning to reach. And, you know, when you connect to people eye to eye, you're, you're not listening to people speaking on behalf of the other people. You're just listening to their pure and raw concerns. And oftentimes the more personal concerns, these are concerns that if it were channeled through someone else would be filtered and moderated as irrelevant or not as, not as concerning. But to me, you know, any issues concerning such as, oh, you know, my neighbor keeps parking in front of my garage or, you know, my neighbor's uh, lights are too bright or things like that. You know, those are all issues that residents are concerned about. And as a city government, we have the time and we should be focusing on those issues. Talked about the uh, downtown and having a vibrant downtown and what kind of built environment changes. I notice you have a plan uh, or was it several plans of how to actually make it a very inclusive, very uh, a destination? Let's use that word. Right. A destination right. point, as a mill rate being a destination for people, not a place sure. to kind of go through. Share with us, you know, your 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 vision for that. You know, Millbury is located literally thirty seconds away from SFO. And whilst other cities in the area, such as Burlingame and San Bruno, have quite righteously capitalized on their proximity to the airport and, um, you know, this location that we have, Millbury is stuck in the past. And the other day I was, um, this was maybe a month or two ago, I went to the historic historical societies um, carriage house opening they had this old carriage house they opened and they had pictures of downtown Millbrae and these are pictures that are black and white from the 80s and it looked exactly the same as it does today <laughs> you know and um, here's the thing you know Millbrae Millbrae took a big dive in 0809 in the financial crisis because we had a weak economy because we didn't have the diversity in our businesses and to this day we're still feeling the impacts uh, Millbrae is one of the only cities on the peninsula not to have its own police department so we're contracting county sheriff services you know we have had to consolidate a lot of our services and we haven't quite recovered from the 2008 crisis you know residents are still keeping the city afloat off of taxes off of parcel taxes bonds we keep coming back to the residents for for support and what i'm saying is that we need to create a downtown that not only has a lot of not only has vibrancy but i think diversity in businesses to create that type of economic strength and stability i started my campaign with a attention getting line which was the fact that we had too many chinese restaurants i said too many asian restaurants and that caught a lot of people's attention and, and, you know, a lot in a positive way because they understood what I was saying, which is that we need more diversity. We need, um, you know, different levels of class, different levels of 
expensive restaurants, fancy restaurants and cheaper restaurants. We need all sorts of diversity in that regard. But a lot of people took it the wrong way as if I wanted to close down Chinese restaurants. <laughs> I said, you know, that, that's not true. What, what I'm saying is that we just need to cr- make it a, an inviting environment to do business. And as a business owner, I can tell you if I had to make the decision again to start a business, I don't think Nobre would be my number one choice. It's really? A, well, it's a place where... It's very difficult to park. You know, last year we stopped taking reservations at my restaurant because people would be circling the block quite literally for 30 minutes looking for parking. It is still the case like that uh, in the evenings here in Millbury. Smoking is out of control. You know, we set up smoking areas yeah. to encourage people to smoke. We have dirty sidewalks. We have um, shuttered storefronts. I know storefronts that have been empty for 10 years. And that's that's unheard of on more popular streets like Burning Game Avenue or University. 30 Avenue. seconds away from San Francisco International, which probably is one of the most, I, I, I don't remember the exact number, yeah. but I know it's definitely within the top five. Oh, absolutely, yes. International yeah. and world travel. Yeah. No, no, absolutely is. And San Francisco offers um, one of the largest connections to Asia. And, you know, how, how did Burning Game capitalize on it? What they did was, they got all the business owners together in what's called a business improvement district or okay. BID, which is what I want to do for Millbrae. And a BID is essentially a fancy name for a tax or a fee on businesses. And the business owners essentially pay into a fund and they um, create an, a directory board to um, vote on what they want to do with the money. Is it similar or not to like a merchant group? It is, but okay. um, it's, um, you know, if you think about like a chamber of commerce, for example, okay. um, they don't have the actual levy power to tax residents, uh, excuse me, to tax business owners, whilst a BID does. A BID forces people to pay money into the organization, so it's not a voluntary participation type of thing. Burning Game has been able to use their money to fund a downtown shuttle. So they have a shuttle that runs from, you know, sunrise to sunset that goes between the downtown and their hotels, between the downtown and the airport. And it's this nonstop running shuttle that really benefits the downtown and, you know, stops right in front of the Apple store. And you see hordes of people coming down and they are spending their money here. They're eating in Burning Game and Millbrae is missing out because Millbrae is used as nothing more than a, you know, a city between two cities, um, which is disappointing. Right, right. Yeah. So, so... That uh, downtown as well, have you had a, a vision of, you know, what kind of either restaurants, storefronts, industries that would help make that happen? You know, I, I think I'd let the market decide. You know, that's why I've said, you know, I don't have the right to determine what, you know, cuisine comes in, whatever. I'm just saying, let's give everybody a fair shot at, um, you know, doing business in the city. I don't want to make Millbrae too high-end like Burning Game. I think Millbrae has a unique culture. And even if Millbrae were to be all restaurants, you know, let's have a nice quaint place where people enjoy coming and go out of their way to come to. Let's create that diversity that people are looking for. You know, I, I think we can create this strong business district that welcomes everybody, that maintains the unique character that people have come to expect of Millbrae. Um, let's keep the positive aspects of Millbrae's downtown and get rid of the negative aspects, such as the chaos, the empty storefronts, you know, the disorganization and the neglect. Excellent. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Yo-Yo Shui, candidate for Millbrae City Council and owner of Wonderful. For more information, feel free to visit www.shuiformillbrae.com. I like that. <laughs> www.xue 
www.4milbray.com. Yo-Yo, you talk about like a, let the market decide. Uh, I know you can't enforce, you know, or not enforce, but, uh, you know, uh, can you recommend different businesses to the city of Millbrae? I don't know if you're at liberty to do that. Well, I mean, as a council member, yeah. I think you can go out and attract new businesses. Attract so, them, for example, yeah. I know some of our current council members, they decided to um, pull in nothing bunk cakes located down okay, by, yeah. um, you know, the, the 76 down there. So that, that's something we can do. And that's what a BID, if established, would do. It would market the area. And we'd have professionals who know um, what business owners are looking for. They'd be the liaison. They reach out to the business owners, say, hey, what are you looking for in Millbrae that we don't currently have? And what is it that we can do to incentivize you to come? And sometimes it's down to a waiver of fees. Sometimes we, we waive a few fees, make it easier for them to set up shop. Other times it's just changes that we can gradually make, such as introducing a shuttle, um, such as building a parking structure to ensure that, you know, the area can grow and just really giving business owners confidence that Millbrae is the place to do business. And unfortunately, I don't think that's the case in Millbrae. And, you know, throughout this campaign, I've been criticized as being a very negative campaigner. No way. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Um, yeah. And this all sounds good yeah. to me. Well, you know, I, I, I've, I've been identified as a negative campaigner. I've had the vice mayor call my rhetoric bluster. And I said, that's not really the case. And I think people should take into account the fact that I'm running against two incumbents who have been in office for five years. I'm simply pointing out broken promises and a record of failure. And once we can identify the issues, then we can proceed with fixing them. When I was at an, a newspaper endorsement interview with my opponents, you know, one of my opponents, she said, you know, there's nothing wrong with our downtown. It's already vibrant. And I was speechless, you know, I literally I had no, re no rebuttal or response to that because I was just thinking where, you know, what, which downtown are you talking about? So I think um, what's really unfortunate is that we have city leaders who can't even agree on the issues. And for me, downtown is a massive priority because uh, downtown is the start and the end of our city and our city's economic health. Also, it helps put Millbrae on the map. You know, it, all it takes is a great store to put Millbrae on the map. You know, think about Burning Game. They've got salt and straw ice cream that just opened. They've got the Apple store. They've got all sorts of boutique eateries, great shopping, and just a place people love to hang out. When's the last time a, a young, young millennial said, Hey, let's go to Millbrae? Uh, you know, it just yeah. doesn't happen. You know, you know, what's interesting about that? It, obviously, this, we're an architect show and, um, is, uh, if you heard of, uh, AVR, augmented virtual reality, yes. where you put the goggles yes. on. Yes. Have you ever thought of the idea of having Millbrae done and scale and then how it can look right. and right. perspective, perspective uh, merchants that would be. Oh, on. interesting. And, and that way, in, in, other than just sharing it face to face or on online, you're able, people are able to actually visualize it and almost texturize. Here's, here's Millbrae now. Yeah. Uh, or any city, uh, here's a city now, and here's what it could be. Let's give uh, three ways. Here's how it could be if we had a, uh, a chain. Uh, here's how it could be if we had this restaurant. Here's how it could be if we had this merchant. But actually visualize or actually have it tangible to where the community or website can actually see here are the three options how Millbrae can look. You mentioned parking structure. Okay, parking structure immediately comes to mind as, oh, this gray, drab, boring, potentially crime 
festive, yeah, yeah. but crime, crime in places. However, there are, I won't share with you here, but there are architecture firms that can make an actual parking lot look better than most oh, buildings. Absolutely. Absolutely. And complete with yeah. a park up at the top yeah, with the absolutely. grass and the trees and, and, you know, you have security at the front and, you know, you leave with the ticket. It's actually a welcoming place right. to come. So it can be absolutely done. So you mentioned parking structure, even if it's away from the downtown to where people could be, uh, who knows? I'll probably get emails for this, but if it was a walkable downtown, I mean, it was just walking. Imagine that, no vehicles. Right, right. Um, anyway, I'm just putting that out there. Is, 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 has well, anyone know. ever envisioned that sort of, in that detail, because the technology is there for to do that. I, I think a lot of that's there, and AVR would be useful if we didn't have the cities that we had around us that had already enjoyed this type of success. So I think people need to go no further than Burning Game or Palo Alto or Redwood City. Redwood City has a nice walking plaza. Outstanding, Burning yeah. Burning Game has a very clean sidewalk, wide sidewalks, parallel parking, which is something I would want for Millbury. With Palo, paver stones. With paver stones, exactly. <laughs> you know, Palo Alto has... Um, you know, great parking structures they're building. Last week, I had an opportunity to um, go to San Diego, and I saw their downtown the district. Oh, yeah. um, well, it was actually it was actually the Little Italy. Little Italy, yes. The same person that's helping us set up our BID currently is actually the person who is directing the Little Italy district in San Diego, the same district oh, I visited. <laughs> and you look at this district. Very organized, ample parking. You had actual staff members going around cleaning the garbage cans and picking up trash on the streets. You had a food hall. You had a many, many pedestrian um, only areas. And you had uh, one way streets to, you know, kind of calm the traffic a little bit, you know, better organize the place. I just hope to share that a little bit more. I think AVR is something that... I just reached out there. No, no, no. It, it, yeah. it would definitely be interest, interesting. And that's been a challenge for me, this whole campaign, is selling a vision. You know, that that's what politicians do. I, I hate to label myself a politician because I'm really not as conniving as a politician is. But, you know, I, I'm, I've been trying to sell people a vision. I've been trying to tell people... Well, can you imagine a downtown? You know, just use your imagination. Can you imagine a downtown that whose sidewalks haven't turned black due to filth? Can you imagine not having to go around the block looking for parking? Can you imagine a thing where the apartments are on top and underground we have parking? And, uh, you know, people, it, it, thankfully, we live in a place where people have seen these things before. And I really hope people can, you yeah. know, use their imagination. Now, how, do you, how do you, other than you're sharing with us on, on the, um, the show, yeah. is to, uh, share that value real and perceived to the voters or to to the people of a community sure. how it sounds pretty exhausting to me well it has been exhausting i'm sure this is a very common issue with any type of political campaign you know think about how much time campaigns spend on the colors they use in their advertisement, you know, the, the videos, the, the narrator, whether it's male or female, what, you know, who, who they include, you know, it's politics. I think I've learned is a lot about communication because you have great ideas. It's about how you get those ideas out to the people. And, you know, unfortunately I was right out, you know, out fundraised maybe, uh, a thousand to one by my opponents. That's significant. Oh, well, that, it was, well, I, I hardly raised any money. I didn't, I didn't host fundraisers. They went out and raised 30 grand in, in a, you know, campaign of did this. You do that by design or? I, I did it more or less by design. And plus, I don't have the fundraising experience that they do. And it's much easier as an incumbent to send letters out asking for donations than it is to, you know, get it as a outsider candidate. So how, I'm curious how, how, if, if you were just to do that, I'll just say direct, direct mail, cell phone robocalls yeah. you to do that 
my, my opinion of that is it's very impersonal. It is. It is. I, I've only used technology and for me, it's only been social media and emails to supplement my in-person messaging. And that's why I've made it such a priority to go out and put on this walking campaign to make sure I talk to people. You know, I'm not doing that for nothing. You know, I, I wake up some days at 8 a.m. and I walk until the sun sets around 7 p.m. And it's intense. You know, I've had volunteers sprain their ankles. You know, I, I've had crazy issues. I, I was bit by a dog. You know, they're, it, it's, it's intense. But once again, you know, once you go out and talk to the people, that's different from what my opponents are doing. You know, my opponents have engaged in spam texting campaigns. You know, they've been sending mailers out that have little to do with what they want to do for Millbrae, but rather what their endorsements have been. And it's been very impersonal. And unfortunately, I think they're obviously doing it for a reason. And I think sometimes voters, they take endorsements, um, you know, for overface value. I think um, a lot of people should be reminded that my one of my opponents was endorsed by Leland E., who is now sitting in federal prison for gun trafficking. And it shows you little to nothing about uh, what that person wants to do, but rather um, how politically connected they are. Yeah. So you're really literally taking it to the streets. I know we said that before, but you're taking it to the streets. I know we're doing this. Is this your first attempt at a Millbury City Council? Yes. Okay. So it's your first attempt. How do you see yourself? I know this is, if it's, if it's going too far ahead, tell me, stop. But even in 10 years from now, do you believe even if you had the, 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 the same finance level of finance, level of donation that your um, opponents have? Or you, even if you're the lead, will you still always have that grassroots sort of effort and uh, connection or communication with your the people or the voters? Well, I, I don't know what I want to do, yeah. uh, but I am confident that I want to be a positive change in whatever community I'm in, whatever environment it is that I'm in. I think it's meaningful to bring a campaign grassroots, and that's why you see all about the country this focus on reaching out to the voters, not to the PACs not to, you know, these big lobbying organizations, but really to listen to the people. You know, it's not just for, you know, political points or because it polls well, because it really is meaningful to see someone face-to-face, see these uh, elderly residents that would not have, you know, called you or gone online to look at your Facebook page. These are people who really wanted to meet you in person. And there is still an inherent value in, you know, shaking someone's hand, being invited into their home, being shown issues face to face. I remember I was invited to many homes to see, like, for example, they said, there's going to be a 5G cell tower in my backyard. Take a look at this or, you know, check this out in front of my house. The city hasn't fixed my sidewalk or something along those lines. Or, you know, take a look at how loud um, the airplanes are in my backyard or something along those lines. Um, What's your response? Are you uh, sometimes you're aware of it or sometimes you're like you walk into a situation that you're like, wow. Most of the time, I'm aware of it. I, I I remember one thing that really shocked me was when I went to a home near our um, preschool, uh, not not a preschool, elementary school up the hill. This family invited me back, and they 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 said, "Oh yeah, you know the city hasn't been doing a good job in maintaining the the trees in our backyard." And I go back, and you had a, a tree dangling on the power lines, like resting on the power lines, and they're like, "Ah, oh, this is a this is a fire danger." I'm like, "Are you?" I'm like, "Yeah, obviously it is," you know, and. And, and see that that's the type of that's the type of stuff that riles me up. You know, that's the type of stuff. Not not in a not in a negative way, in a very positive way. You know, I I talk to these people and I feel very upset in a way that I can't help them immediately because I'm not in office. Um, all I can do is 
try to pass their concerns on. So for that family, I was able to talk to the fire chief and ensure that, you know, one more person was telling them about the issue. But at the end of the day, you know, in a city as small as Millbrae, our representatives should be reaching out to find out what the issues are. They shouldn't, they should be proactive. You know, they should go out and, and find where the problems are. And that's what I've done. You know, I've gone out and I've, if there wasn't a problem, if there wasn't a problem that was raised, I went out and made sure there was a problem. You know, for example, the speeding cars near our schools. That's never really been raised as a topic of discussion but by my opponents. So we need to be proactive in the way that we do politics. And if you see, well, not just politics, but the way that we make change. In Millbury, we waited until three people were killed on crossing, you know, crossing El Camino Real by speeding vehicles that didn't see them. Three people, you know, these are three lives lost before we, you know, got those crossing lights put into protect pedestrians. Are we going to wait until three people, three children are killed near our schools before we start putting in some sort of safety program? Are we going to wait until, you know, people are actually injured or hurt before, you know, we take action items? You know, that's not the right way to improve things. You know, as leaders, we need to go out and find things to fix, not wait for them to come to us. Yeah, I like that that, that attitude, being proactive, especially in, in any facet of life. How, how do you expect that proactivity that you, you have? Say that you're proactive in a lot of things that you do in your, in yeah. at least what you've shared with us. Why does it mean so much to you? Well, I, I think it's just about always trying to improve. That is something that I think is important for any politician, anyone trying to make a difference in their community. Never be content with the status quo. There's always something to do better. And for example, the other day, we had a um, bulletin come out. Well, it wasn't a bulletin, but it was a report from the San Francisco Magazine, which ranked Millbury 98 out of 101 Bay Area cities. So basically close to dead last for public safety. Oh, oh 98 out of 100 for public safety? Yeah, for public safety. 98 out of 101. That's how many Bay Area cities there were. And, you know, some people were like, you know, I, I feel safe. And, you know, Oakland was ranked higher than us. But I think the reason was because the metrics on which it was calculated, which was the number of police officers as well as the crime rate. But Millbury has a very high crime rate and very low police officer to resident ratio. So that's why we were ranked pretty low. But, you know, someone was saying, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel pretty safe in the city. You know, I feel safe walking around. And I said, um, you know, no disrespect. And while that's a very important thing, which is to be able to walk around in your own community, we can, I'm pretty sure, agree that there's always room for improvement. You know, there's always more that we could be doing. And even things that we feel like are fine are probably not fine. You know, there's always change to be made. And it's just up to our leaders to see which change we prioritize and which change we, you know, decide to do first, really. How has being a, uh, a business owner helped in your politics? Well, being a business owner and being responsible for the livelihoods of, you know, 20, 25 people, that's responsibility right there. You know, my, one of my opponents, you know, I, I hate to sound like I'm con continuing to campaign because, you know, the election day is tomorrow and you're not, no one's going to hear this until afterwards. But, you know, one of my opponents said, well, you know, I, I'm a business owner, but, you know, she, you know, she has accountants. She has a, it's a medium sized business. It's a realty business. It's nothing like what I do over here. I, I do all the books for my business. I cut the checks every month for payroll. You know, I'm there paying the bills and um, making sure that lights are on. And I have a respect not only for money, but for, you know, attention to detail. 
you know, in a business, you have to keep people happy. You have to be responsive. You have to, you know, show respect to your trade and you have to be passionate about what you do. Because I think when you're not passionate and we, when you don't take accountability for what you do, customers can feel it. Uh, one of the things we take pride in, for example, is our clean bathrooms. You know, because we said, if your bathrooms aren't clean, how could your food be clean? We hold ourselves to a really high standard, not 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 because anybody's looking and not because we care about things like Yelp reviews, but because we just it's 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 important to us personally that, you know, we hold ourselves to these standards that if we weren't ready to eat this food for ourselves or serve it to our grandmothers or mothers, then we wouldn't serve it to a customer. I think those values and those fundamental beliefs are what we need to see more of in politicians. You know, holding yourself to the standard, walking away from pettiness. You know, we've never argued with customers over, you know, when a customer says, oh, you know, I I think there's too many bones in this Hunan chicken. And I said, do you know that's like the star of the Hunan chicken dish? It's the bones. You know, I'm not going to say that to the customers. I'm just going to say, well, I apologize. And let me let me help you either take this off your bill or give you a replacement because we're not petty. You know, we're here to do business. We're here to make people happy and um, we're here to deliver. And I wish more politicians would, you know, again, hold themselves to a higher standard, take more pride in the work that they do and understand that regardless of what you do, you know, you should have passion for it. Yeah, but it's, it sounds like... um you you definitely have a I know you use politician because you're either an elected official but there's a a strong sense at least as for my, my opinion a strong sense of you care yeah yeah the, the the care is the care is huge you know care doesn't have to mean that you you can change things you know just like I said with the with the dish that customers complain about I I, I can't change the recipe of the dish on the fly but I can show care by showing that I take accountability, that I apologize and that I regret that they had a bad experience. And when it comes into politics, I think caring is listening. I think caring is being responsive. And I think I've demonstrated that through this campaign by, you know, reflecting people's issues. When I was at our candidate forum, which was sort of like a TV debate that we had recorded with all the, all the candidates. You know, I, I made my opening and closing statement about the, the issues. You know, these are issues that have really been swept under the rug because they've been problems for so long and they've gone unresolved. You know, for example, we, on my street, I live near the train tracks on Hemlock Avenue. People on my street have to pay $70 per car per year to park on their own street because the city decided to set up a three-story Chinese restaurant with only five on-site parking spaces. And they basically encouraged people in a way passively to go and park in the residential neighborhood next door. And that's just one of those examples of an injustice. Quite frankly, our current elected leaders don't care. They don't care because the issue hasn't been talked about again. And um, just being able to have a discussion on the issues, showing that we appreciate the relevance of an issue, we don't have to guarantee that we can solve the problem. But just telling people that they're heard, I think that means more than anything. And um, I remember when I was a when I was the person behind the podium, you know, at the public comments during a city council mm-hmm. meeting. Well, I, and I may still continue to be that person. I was just so frustrated because I felt like my issues were issues facing the whole city, and I just couldn't believe the complacency and the laid back approach to everything. You know, as if my issues weren't important. Just having that opportunity to be heard by leaders who even appear that they care. I think that's that's um, that's lacking in today's political scene. Yeah. How do you how do you see just from your involvement to, to date that awareness factor increasing? Well, the you mean the awareness of the whole city or. Yeah. Just from the from the 
people that you've spoke with. Some something I think I can be proud of throughout this whole campaign, whether I win or lose tomorrow, is that I have undoubtedly, you know, my, my, my opponents make all sorts of accusations and all sorts of claims, and so do my um, the opposition in general. But one thing I think everybody can agree on is that the city is more awake. People are awake. People are not as passive as they were before. And uh, people understand how important it is to be aware of what's happening around them and get involved in the city issues. I told them, I said, you know, lack of participation leads to things in the city deteriorating. Does it really? It it really does. It really does. You know, and people not speaking up leads to problems. And as much as I believe politicians are responsible for going out and finding the issues, I think the residents are equally, if not more responsible for bringing those issues up, for continuing to raise community awareness. And these days it's easier than ever. A big part of my campaign has been reaching out to people on a social platform called Nextdoor. Nextdoor is, it's a um, Facebook restricted to, you know, local communities essentially where people can post things like, you know, free chairs for sale or, you know, we're having a garage sale or a block party, that type of thing. You know, a lot of people didn't at first like to see politics on there. And I remember I was met with some resistance when I started posting about things. But I told people about outrageous things happening in our city, such as one of my opponents wanted to spend $346,000 building a holiday ice rink in our city. Uh, you know, a plan that was met with a lot of opposition or the fact that we we budgeted $50,000 to paint in, a, in an intersection in our downtown district, red and yellow. That was all that was all it was. We budgeted 50 grand to put red and yellow paint on the ground, an intersection that has now been dug up by sewer workers. You know, that's the type of ludicrous stuff that's happening in our city. And I, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just presenting the facts. You know, I, I'm telling people what's going on and I'm letting people draw their own conclusions. How 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 bring it, does bringing that at- to attention with several solutions for that problem. It sounds like you have them. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's not just, you know what, this is wrong and walk away. A a lot of my solutions, I think a lot of my campaigning has been, this is who I just won't be. You know, I won't be that person who, when we're in the, when we are $24 million short on rebuilding our community center, which burnt down, I'm not going to try to spend $346,000 on an ice rink. You know, I'm not going to budget $48,000 on four trash cans. I'm not going to spend $50,000 painting an intersection, you know, red and yellow. So that's the what I'm not. And I think the other half of my campaign is what I will be. You know, and what I will be is a representative who doesn't come out through the cracks, so to say, every four or five years. I'm going to be someone who is accountable all, you know, all the time. I'm not going to be that student who you know, only pretends to be working when the teacher comes into the room. You know, I'm going to be someone who works all the time because that's what people expect. I think though that one of the most tragic things about this, this election has just been the lack of, I don't want to say lack of honesty because that's not the case. It's just the lack of, lack of being completely upfront with the, with the residents. You know, a lot of it has been the partial truth. I think my two opponents have unfortunately not told the whole truth with a lot of the issues. They've pretended that they've worked it, worked on all these issues for the longest time. And I think a lot of residents, you know, th- this is why elections should happen more than every four years, because a lot of residents forget the promises that were made four years ago. A lot of residents don't remember everything that was promised and then everything that was broken. So a big part of my campaign has been digging up these um, old videos and these old meetings 
and reminding people that we have had broken promises. We have not been able to deliver on these issues. And I've laid out concrete and very concise plans on how we're going to achieve that. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU 90.1 FM, Stanford. We're talking today with Yo-Yo Shui, candidate for Milbrae City Council. For more information, feel free to visit www.shui.com. For Milbray.com. Again, that's www.xue4milbray.com. Yo yo, what is the advantage to you of being proactive and truly honest with your community? What advantage is there to being that way? I know it's a it's a kind of an altruistic way that we all should be, but what's the advantage for a community of being that this proactive and truly honest? I think it's just building that confidence. And if there's something that I'm really grateful for, like truly, truly grateful for, it's the confidence and respect that has been shown to me and my campaign. You know, respect is respect is earned. It's earned through hard work. You know, it's not earned through blasting out spam text messages or saying how politically connected you are. It's putting the, those hours in. You know, I, I've logged my hours on this campaign. I've spent six to 700 hours walking the streets of Milbury and talking to people. And that's not to include the countless hours I've had setting up individual lunch meetings, coffee meetings, things like that. You know, I've really gone out and talked to people. And that's how we're going to foster the trust. That's how we're going to foster the community participation we want to see. You know, the politicians are always talking about, you know, with one day from midterms, you know, you see President Trump, you see President Obama, they're all saying the same thing, like go out and vote, go out and vote. And the number one issue I hear from residents when they tell me, hey, yo, yo, I don't want to vote because I don't believe in voting. I say, why is that? And they said, well, I've been ignored or I don't believe that my vote counts. And that's just, that's a failure of our democracy. You know, that's just so, such a tragic thing to hear. But, but, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm, I'm optimistic that, and, and I'm, I'm not claiming to be a perfect leader. I, I think I, I think I'm a better leader than my opponents. That's why I've put my uh, name into the ring. I'm not claiming to be the best politician, but I am claiming to be someone who I think can be part of a movement that we're seeing nationally to restore that type of accountability to government to restore that kind of trust and, you know, make sure that people remember, you know, we can have a government that again, works for the people. We forget how that is. You know, people, people are forgetful of how things used to be. And I think I'm reminding people that, you know, politicians are at the end of the day, representatives and what representatives mean, what that word means is someone who represents the issues and concerns of their constituents, you know, not themselves, not their own business interests, not their own uh, personal agenda, but really just echoing the beliefs and, you know, agenda of the people. Yeah. What do you think of this, um, this is a quote? I may not get it exactly correct, but I'll, I'll capture the essence of this, and especially when you refer to other cities that are doing, in your opinion, a very nice job with their community. The community feels very involved there. It's just well run. It's just well run right. communities and enjoyable places to be. This quote is, uh, I don't know who said it exactly, but it goes uh, something along the lines of, a place does not bring one honor, one brings honor to a place. I'm curious to hear what your your take may be on that, it, what's it, what it means to you. There's no wrong or right answer. Well, without further, without further context, I, I think that just shows one brings honor to a place, as in, you know, a community is only as strong as the some of its 
individual parts combined. Okay. You know, that's everybody coming together to make that positive difference. That's all the clubs in the, in the community, all the businesses, everybody coming together. And I suppose why we have civic government is because we need people to facilitate that coming together. We need leaders who will bring everybody, so to say, metaphorically or, or maybe literally to the same table to have those discussions, to make sure that people have an opportunity to contribute to their community. And that's been a big part of my campaign, giving people the opportunity to participate. And, uh, you know, I, I've met so many people like we were looking for someone to be on our planning commission. And, you know, recently we've got someone who I don't think was the best qualified for the position. And then I, I met these like two people who I thought, man, you know, we, where were you when we needed you? But they weren't aware of these opportunities, you know, so we need to bring these opportunities to the people in other cities. They have really strong civic organizations. Millbury has that, too. But unfortunately, I don't think our civic organizations have been as inclusive as they could be. Again, I think it's our inherent responsibility to bring people together to solve these issues. Because, you know, you, you, you could just solve an issue by yourself. But, you know, what's the point in that? Yeah, yeah definitely. I like, I, like, I like that thought. What other quote? Do you have a favorite quote or quotes or mantra you, you go through just to kind of get you through the day or through this experience that you, uh, you're, going, you're going with? I think the two quotes that have guided me the strongest during this campaign is first that not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And that, I think, is a call to action. That's a quote from James Baldwin. It's a call to action for people to step up and for people to believe that they can make a difference. I hope that as someone who was 20 when I launched my campaign, I'm now 21, that Young people are not, deter, um, you know, deterred from getting involved. You know, there is such a big value to going into your community and being that difference that people are looking for. I can't say that I fully believed what I was talking about at the beginning of this campaign. But once you enjoy that trust and that confidence from people around you, then you really start realizing what the value of being a representative is, being a delegate for the people. And I think you understand that politics is not just about power. It's not just about fame or prestige. It's really about delivering on the change that your neighbors and your friends are looking for. I think the second quote is, when they go low, we go high. Michelle Obama, obviously, uh, at the Democratic National Committee. You know, th this campaign has been dirty. Not from me, but from my opponent's supporters and my opponent's side. And... I've had all sorts of, I've had a very brutal smear campaign launched against me and it's still going strong. One of the most outrageous claims that was leveraged against me was that I committed violence against my father and that my parents had a restraining order against me. And I think in the uh, crazy world we live in, some people actually believe that even though, you know, I live at home with my parents and my father and I are business partners. I ask people, you know, to use logic when approaching some kind of, you know, claim a problem we have in politics is truth not being clear. You know, we live in a world of alternative facts and we live in a world of fake news. It's very important for people to critically and logically assess the claims that are brought before them. But, you know, I've, I've focused on the prize, you know, even though people uh, have, my opponent supporters have launched this crazy campaign, sending letters to people, trying to get them distracted. We've talked more about the scandal 
then we have the issues that are facing Millbrae. And that's a problem. You know, people don't want to hear about that because, again, this campaign is not about me. It's really about well, what are we going to change in Millbrae? What's wrong and what's right and what can we fix? And, you know, what are we going to keep the same? And I have not stooped down to that level. I have not retaliated against the attacks. I have kept my head high. And I think that's important to everybody trying to lead a community, you know, not to be petty, not to be someone who tries to take cheap shots at other people. But, you know, being a leader, I want young people to understand that, you know, sometimes it's politically expedient to, you know, do something that's nasty, do something that's unethical or immoral. Politically expedient does not mean, you know, something that in the long term will pay off the best. And I I really hope people will be more honorable in their conduct. And I hope, again, young people will not be deterred by the viciousness of politics. Politics has increasingly been associated with dishonesty, with backroom tactics and and whatnot. But it really doesn't have to be that way. You know, it really, really doesn't have to be like uh, be like that. Yo-Yo, it's been a pleasure and honor having you as our guest today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dior. Our guest today has been Yo-Yo Shui, candidate for Millbrae City Council and owner of the Michelin-rated restaurant Wonderful in Millbrae, California, as well as a member of the Tesla Model 3 Club. For more information, feel free to visit www.shui4millbrae.com. That's www.xue4millbrae.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location throughout California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. Today, the recording engineer is Stephen Blanton, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Jaggi. The executive producer is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.
Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.